Oh yeah, that is like a thing. I remember. <laughs> All right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Just Pick Something podcast, where we discuss a movie or TV show we just picked after scrolling through Netflix, looking at new movie releases in theaters, flipping between streaming services, or even just grabbing a DVD from the bookcase. I'm Jake Hernandez, and I'm here with Mr. Franco. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the movie The Green Knight, released in 2021, directed by David Lowry, and at the time of this episode, can be streamed on Amazon Prime. But uh, yeah, first impression wise, man, I really like this movie. This movie was really awesome. Oh man, <laughs> oh, that's thing. right when we were like while I was done watching it, because Rachel wanted to watch it as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. she was she was sitting there while she was watching Bennett, and I was I just I was like, man, like I'm mad that I kind of had to watch this at home. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, there's some movies that I I would have been really cool with spending like you know the twenty bucks and going to a theater to watch this because. It was really shot beautifully, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, like, on top of that, like, a lot of the, like, the set design and the costume work was, like, just gorgeous. Oh, dude, the costume work was phenomenal. One thing that really caught my eye, at least early on in the film, was the detail work on the king and the queen. Oh, like, she had, like, all the little, like, button-type things? Yeah, there were, like, a bunch of little emblems from, like, different, you know, icons of birds and, I guess royalty you know crowns and stuff and yeah, like, even the king had some on like um what was it his kingly garb with little plates on him too yeah and then like the design of the crown that was kind of an interesting look for the crowns you know i have not really seen it with both the normal crown around the head and then also the halo of the sun behind it very cool yeah no it was the the imagery was definitely like it's weird because it's not a sort of style that I I can point to to be like oh it was totally like these things but like it very much felt like the sort of like like a fairy tale mythic style to it right like there's not another movie that I can be like oh yeah no it has like this ethereal mythical fairy tale vibe and it's like no I can't really like name one that's like like the from the past that I can point to but kind of like stained glass or like the i guess you you i I guess they have the imagery like the old arthurian like artwork like because i could just imagine like they have we're talking about the crowns like the circle i don't know what it's called the circle thing behind the crown yeah yeah i i want to say it's called the halo of the crown the kingship the to be a king is heavily tied to like christianity and kind of in this movie the you know the one-to-one with you know or christian knights christmas and it's it's the holy kind of mission and order of the knights at the round table and so the idea of like the halo and like the sun and it being so you know godly and heavenly being like also the king and you know the holy mission of the knights and stuff yeah to me being it being called or just saying it's a halo it works really well for you know that comparison yeah because it was very much like they, they they framed it really well where like they would have like the light source behind them mm-hmm. like signing when they had like when when they would be in like certain in certain scenes and stuff so yeah definitely definitely a halo and it just makes me think of like stained glass oh yeah especially in the scenes where everything became bathed in a specific color to represent something that was intrinsic to the scene you know especially near the uh end where he became bathed in yellow as he kind of made that jump into the next threshold of him almost completing his quest. Yeah, and then the green when like at the end of that sequence, near the at the very end of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool to see the. Um, I don't know. Would you call that like a Chekhov's gun for something that was said in dialogue? Because one of that, um, I want to say she was a princess. She definitely called out the thing we were going to see about all the different colors and what it might represent to, for him to face the so-called Green Knight. I don't know if you could say that was foreshadowing or just like a Chekhov's gun or something, but it was it was just really good uh, storytelling. I think. No. Yeah. I. I... Don't know if I would say it's that, um, only because I think that's typically reserved for like, oh, if we put like an item down, then oh, yeah. that item will be used later on. That's what a Chekhov gun is, but it definitely is foreshadowing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And I would say like it leaned heavily on just like just general symbolism, but get I guess getting into the story about Garwin. Well, that's the thing. I always thought it was Gawain and the Green Knight because I've never actually read the original poem that this is, you know, was based off of. Yeah, I've only kind of experienced the story kind of through other media or just culture in general, kind of feeding it to me without me realizing it. The most specific example I can think of that comes to mind of this story was actually um, the show Adventure Time did a whole thing of the Green Knight. That's the one that just recently comes to mind. Other than that, I think most of the story that I know of just it's from somewhere, some movie other than that, you know? So, so I know the name Gawain. Yeah, that's totally 100% the only way I've ever heard that name <laughs> being said. I now know there are like 20 different ways of saying that name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they really go through it in this movie. <laughs> I was like... I was like, okay, so what, I was like, I was like, did he say Garwin? Oh no, he totally said Garwin. And then his wife, uh, the the queen, was like, Gawin. And I was like, okay, Gawin, yep. And then mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And then like, there was like a guy at the bar who said it differently. Mm-hmm. Like, and then the it feels like the king said it differently or got it right once. And then the the other king said it a certain way. And yeah, I was like, I don't understand what like i think i'm yeah i'm just gonna stick with gawain but i'm not sure if that's entirely like uh like an americanization of the name yeah which could be yeah i really wanted to like google it you know and maybe look into this movie but also like i really wanted to kind of uh collect my thoughts before i did any further digging into this movie because sometimes when i watch a movie and I really, really like it. And I kind of just want to like learn more about it. Um, oh, you know, who was the guy that made the costume work and all this? And then there's articles. It's like deeper meaning behind so-and-so movie. And then my opinion of it might change a bit as I learn more information about it. Not knowing more about this movie or more about the original source material. I, I'm just super into this movie right now. This was awesome. No, yeah, no. Um, so I did... Because it was bothering me, I did end up looking up, looking up why the king called him Garwin. Oh, really? So what? What was and it? It was like, hey, someone, someone basically asked the director, like, hey, um, is there a reason that the king calls him Garwin? Is it like the actor saying it incorrectly, or is it like the king's just saying it however he wants to say it? Mm-hmm. And the director was like, yes. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, no, that's that. <laughs> Both, yes. Yeah. But everything is correct. Pretty much, right? <laughs> and um, I don't think I've ever seen anything from this guy, to be honest. Who was the director? I can probably look it up. David Lowry. David Lowry. I don't recognize the name immediately. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm just because I'm talking about his his uh 
his filmography. I did actually watch the last movie he made, which was a ghost story. No, that's, he's an editor on that, so that's not even not even his movie. Well, I'm uh to just IMDb his name. I can see he did Pete's Dragon and The Old Man with a Gun, which I have not seen those movies either. And just scrolling down the list of IMD, you know, credits, I don't think I've really seen anything from him. But man, if this was his um big, you know, huge mainstream or indie stream debut, I- I'm here for it, man. This was a cool movie. Oh no, yeah, I definitely. This was definitely one of my uh, again, like I'm very much upset that I didn't get to go watch this. And <laughs> yeah. another thing that I was like, because like uh, a big thing about I don't know if this is with all of his movies or with just with this one. But he, probably not with Peace Dragon because of just the nature of that story, but um, in this one, he didn't use a ton of special effects or like more like CGI. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Even the Green Knight felt very practical. Like, I kind of really thought that was a guy in a suit, you know, just through you know, hours of prosthetic work on his face, especially those contexts he had. It made me feel the guy who was portraying the Green Knight with all the prosthetics had a really hard time like kind of like moving around or just kind of expressing, but it kind of did a really good job of giving this otherworldly feel t- towards him, you know? Like his, his in- inability to properly open his eyes made me wonder if that was an acting choice or a result of him having a hard time moving around in the prosthetic. But either way, it was a really strong, intimidating performance, especially his introduction where it just he just comes into that round table and then the presents that letter and the queen has that you know voice shift and everything becomes all ominous i was like oh shit this was awesome indulge me in this friendly christmas game let whichever of your knights is boldest of blood and wildest of hearts step forth take up arms and try with honor to land a blow against me whomsoever nicks me no yeah that was that was definitely it was one of those things where okay so i think there was like a i'm not i'm trying to find like a specific moment but that you might remember because there's like so many things that happened in that movie because it was so long but for example the very early on they have like a shot where like arthur looks over at merlin and then like the room goes like red yeah, I was like, wait a minute, is that supposed to be Merlin? Because it was kind of interesting that they decided not to have anyone actually say each other's names, kind of just leaving it to the person to put two and two together, other than the main character, you know, Gwen or Garwin, I guess, in this movie. Like, no one says, oh, you mean King Arthur? Oh, he handed me Excalibur or the other, uh, the other sword or Merlin or anything, or even the queen's name. like. No one had a name other than the main character, which was kind of cool. You know what? Now, yeah, I think about it. That, that is, I didn't, I didn't actually notice that they didn't give anybody a name, but that is 100% what happened. Yeah. No, it was, um, it's like, what is it? I don't know if I might have missed it, but I think even his love interest was just his lady, not an actual name, like the bell lady or however you want to nickname her, but. Yeah, I don't think they actually said anyone's name in this other than the Green Knight and Garwin. That's okay. That's a choice. <laughs> but yeah, like when they're doing things like that, they I want to say that a lot of the lighting, like the shifts in lighting was just them, you know, oh, we turned off this light and turned on a different light. Mm-hmm. And it felt like 
the atmosphere felt like a lot more palpable in regards to how things came across as opposed to like nothing seemed overly done yeah i see what you mean if if you're saying it kind of felt more natural and subtle than like it hitting you in the face yeah because it's like oh merlin's doing magic it's not like he's like doing like like a super anything crazy it's like oh no you see that the light turns red and like the whole entire mood of the room shifts yeah but like nothing super major happens other than that and you're like okay that was unsettling for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something I really liked that this movie did was the escalation of the fantasy aspect of it. Because it starts off feeling really grounded. You know, like we were introduced to um, Garwin in like this castle living quarters with like other people. And you have this feeling that he's kind of in poverty. And like, you know, the only way out of his situation in life of being a poor, lower class person in the fief is to make it as a knight you know which i feel like ties into the potential meaning behind the story i mean there's i think a few things you can draw from this uh him starting off as you know would you say a serf or just like a lower class person in this you know feudalism system and then he gets this opportunity or is becoming a knight and then magic is slowly escalating with him and his experience as a knight we have the introduction of the green knights the magic and aspects of it and then he's traveling on his journey and it just keeps increasing more and more and then you even to the point where we get to see those giants and i was like yeah that was, that was a out of left field kind of thing yeah i was like whoa okay so i don't am i supposed to interpret this as him going on this you know magical fantasy journey you know to face the green knight and we just get to see more of the world or is his his perception of the task and his journey and he's kind of supposed to take it with you know a little bit of disbelief that you know, he actually might be seeing this you know it it was cool because we didn't really he didn't really tell you what it like if it was real or wasn't but it kind of like that it leaves you to kind of decide how much of it was actual world you know what i mean yeah no um yeah i didn't i don't because we didn't spend a lot of time with a lot of the more magical elements yeah um we we spent like just enough time where it's like okay wait I don't what happened <laughs> yeah. there are, there are points too where I was really um you know I was kind of confused in regards to how he, like he got his axe back that was that was interesting because I was thinking after the movie ended were there any parts of the movie that kind of felt like maybe it dragged on a bit you know my immediate thought was the middle where he got to meet I guess you would say his three moments of character exploration of you know the people ambushing him the lady of the house in the lake and then also after that the um encounter at the the castle with the other king and his princess i guess i was like you know what i i wonder if you could have removed any of this but like his encounter with the people that ambushed him felt a moment for us to see that you know He's kind of out of his depth a bit. You can say he's a knight as much as you want, but when push comes to shove, he really kind of isn't ready for what this might entail. And then we get to see him actually be kind of knightly, even though he stumbles a bit. And then at the, at the very last point before he goes to the Green Knight at the castle with the other king, we kind of get this idea of, our, of what is the world expecting of him, you know, in terms of is this all a game? Is this kind of does this mean anything bigger? What does it mean to be a knight in this weird world system? And what does it mean to present gifts and like expectations of people or something? So I, I don't know if you could say you can cut anything because I feel like everything had kind of its 
serviceable moment, like it's reason to be in the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, so I kind of figured that there was going to be very early on the the queen when like when she's sending him on his way, she mentions, oh, you know, you have to keep your the nightly uh like the nightly vows or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that like the whole journey was he's not a knight. And this is supposed to be him becoming a knight yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. and earning that title. Right. So it was like, oh, so she says there's like, oh, there's five. They're like, oh, there's five knightly virtues. So like, that means that we inter- we we have what? like so I am, I'm not sure of the five knightly virtues off the top of my head. Well, I'm saying like, so, so he, he comes across five different situations in the movie where it's like, oh, he meet the scavenger guy. Right. He meets the girl with without the head. Mm-hmm. He meets the fox. Uh, the fox was really interesting because I really thought the fox was supposed to represent him for like most of the movie. Him kind of being like uh, in the woods trying to figure out his way through everything while like also just being a part of the world. And then for a moment, then it felt fox became conscience or something or his doubts and fears or. Yeah. And then, but so, so, so was what three, and then he meets the Lord, and then he meets the Green Knight. So that's five. Yeah, and they for five. There are five tasks for five virtues. Mm. Just because I wanted to look it up, I did look it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, good. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to diddle daddle on that. Mm-hmm. So it's generosity, friendship, chivalry is is what is that one of them? So for this, it says friendship, generosity, chastity courtesy and piety okay so i mean generosity is the the you know the, the bandits guys right mm, i'm trying to think of where the other ones would be chastity would be the one with the princess that moment where yeah where she he had to where that was challenged his virtue was challenged in that sense right uh friendship was with the fox mm. because he will he those he, he they were companions for their trip and then he gave him food and stuff yeah fair and yeah. then he did that and then Courtesy was doing the the deed for the girl. Yeah. And then piety would be accepting your accepting through faith that everything would be okay. Well done, my brave knight. Now off with your head. Did you take anything away from this movie as in like what did you think this movie was supposed to like represent or symbolize? Um, yeah. I have a few things that I think this movie in terms of being like a parallel towards, but I wanted to hear what you thought. Um, a big thing that I think that the the story generally kind of wants to talk about is it's, I, I feel it's like a, ultimately I feel like it's a coming of age story. Oh, oh, wow. You know what? Out of all the things I, my, I was thinking of in my head, that was not one of them. And I, now that you say that, I can definitely see what, that angle. Yeah. Uh, mostly because, yeah. So mostly because, like the whole the whole premise of it is Gawain is like, oh yeah, I'm not a knight. I want to be a knight, and that's gonna be like this big thing that I'm working toward mm-hmm. in my life. My goal is to be a knight. It's gonna do all these things for me if I become one. It's going to lead to all this stuff, and and because of that want of becoming a knight, which is like his ex, you know, his journey into manlyhood in this in the society. And at the very beginning of the movie, he's he's willing to do the the game with the Green Knight. Right? right. And then they're like, oh, well, if you want to be a knight, you have to uphold all these virtues. And those things are tested through him throughout the film. And they're like, oh, are you a knight? Oh, a knight wouldn't do this. Oh, I'm not a knight. 
like a bunch of you know like these things where it's oh you are still very much not getting you're he's not there right right like he still has a lot of of he has a journey to go through and then it kind of definitely hit like i feel like that definitely was kind of cemented for me when he was with the 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 lord because he was like oh well you know after i do this I'll have my honor because, you know, it's like, oh, it's just as easy as that. You're just going to be, you're going to do this one thing and you're suddenly going to have honor. And he's like, oh yeah, totally. That's totally what's going to happen. And it's like this real naive mentality that he has. And this guy's like, oh yeah, well, you know, you're going to be a totally different person, I guess. When you're good, when you, after you do this, it's going to be a shame. We used to have fun with our games and such. So it's like this idea that he's, he's trying to go on this, this quest to grow up and, it's interesting because the Green Knight is very much set up as uh, like an extension of his mother because she's the one who brings it to life. And then at the very end of the movie, you can kind of tell through dialogue that the that she's speaking through the Green Knight, right? Because she he says like, the spell about your waist sails otherwise. This is just a dirty rag. Leave it here then. It was a gift. No need for gift. Where you hide it. Come. Come home. Come home. Like the mom is talking through the Green Knight at this point. And like Yeah, the mom was such an interesting character throughout the movie because she's not there for a bit because of the green sash that he wears. You can really feel her presence, you know, on him or influencing him in terms of expectations and then that kind of works for the coming of age story that um, you brought up of this being a coming of age story. Yeah, so that, I think that's and then yeah, so the, the and then the film ends with the the large sequence of him kind of turning his back on this thing that he said he was going to do, and his life moving forward and him becoming king and having a child and all these like his life going to waste effectively in like a way where he didn't he didn't go through with what he said he was. And kind of lying and gaining the reward anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like he never grew. He never took the actual step to grow up. He didn't accept that level of responsibility. He just went through it and never learned or grew. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because initially when we didn't know it was a dream sequence of a potential future, you know, whatever might happen after this, if he had chose to go down that path. I was like, wow, really? The king named Garwin the successor out of everyone in the round table, the knight that just became a knight. That's odd. That's kind of interesting choice to do that. And I'm like, I guess it's because it's, you know, the movie's about him. And like, it wasn't until after the dream sequence that I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense of it being like, you know, his dream sequence of being what his life could be because of this consequence or this result of him choosing this path, you know? Yeah. So I think it was very much, I think, yeah, when he finally finishes the film and he's like, Oh no, I, I took off the thing that um, effectively was going to let me cheat this game. Right. Yeah. And I'm taking responsibility for the thing that I've decided to do. It allowed him to finally be like, Oh, I'm going to, grow up yeah. because he was very much okay with trying to cheat people on the way to um to the end of the film he, he was willing to cheat the 
the per the 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 scavenger guy he was willing to like oh what are you gonna give me if i get your head and he's she's like no no you're not supposed to do that yeah i actually now that you bring that up i didn't really put that together that you know he kind of was cheating his way through it a bit for me it was kind of just inexperience which also kind of just lends to this being a coming of age story but yeah, i mean like if you have other views on it that's i'm cool with hearing those too <laughs> so the main thing that i thought or the meaning that i took from this was this wasn't immediately a coming to age story to me it was a story about acceptance of death and your mortality to me like this movie could be like um you know you're a person in this social class and you finally have a way out of that you know system you're in through a better job or something and then suddenly without any expectation or any awareness you're hit with this you know sudden illness or uh decree of death right which is the green knight showing up at this round table and then you know giving him this foreboding message of doom of suddenly you're given like a prognosis from a doctor being like you have one year to live and then the time comes closer and closer to that actual, uh, you know, death sentence. And then his entire journey from him getting that declaration, to going to the Green Knight, coming into contact with different forms of his mortality. Death can come at any moment because we all have just one life. And then he meets the lady at the cabin with the lake. And it's just like another, it can come for you in your sleep. You never know, you know, live your life to the fullest. And then after he's, you know, on the verge of death, he's almost coming to starvation. And then he meets the giants and like how he feels like this otherworldly being or like presence can just snuff him out in a minute. But they choose to hold their hand, move on. He finally gets to the Green Knights and it's just, oh, I'm ready for the end. Um, I'm accepting it. And even in the last final moment, he still can't accept it. No matter how much preparation and... Even his words echo like that sentiment of no matter if it's one day or 100 days or 100 years or whatever, you'll, I'll never be ready. And then like, finally, we get this whole dream sequence, which could be his life flashing before his eyes before he's finally like, OK, I'm ready. And then at the last moment, he finds out that it's he's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I could totally see that, too. It kind of feel like those definitely those themes can run parallel with each other. Because, yeah, because he does, they're, they're, I think the things that you mentioned definitely do lend credence to that. Because especially with, for example, the girl where you're talking about, like, she literally was like, yeah, someone like you came along and I wasn't expecting to get my head chopped off, right? Um, he was so willing to immediately deal out death with the Green Knight. Mm -hmm, yeah. And he didn't understand that, oh, this is like a super grave thing. Like, why would I, like, like I gave it away with such e how easy it is to die. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, yeah, I think I, I like I I really just really appreciated the fact that like you can just see all these different like threads in it. Like you know, you there are plenty of times where you get to watch a movie and you're like, yeah, what did it mean? And it's like I mean, it just meant you know the the story. Uh, there's nothing deeper in the story than what you saw on screen yeah it kind of um, there's some movies that definitely feel that way like, i know going into it that i'm like all right i'm ready to experience a movie that's very heavy with symbolism and parallels to real world issues or like the feelings of some kind of emotion they want me to experience with this movie and then there's some movies where i'm like 
God, I just want to see those sharks in that tornado just cause off kind of havoc against these people that I don't really care about. And maybe they will die and it'll be really funny because it's sharks in a tornado or something. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can, they're perfectly okay to enjoy movies with no deeper meaning. And it's interesting to, to get into that more like meta textual argument about the importance of different layers to a film. Mm hmm in regards to like media but you know i i like when i can watch a movie like this and yeah we can just just talk about it but sometimes you know <laughs> when you need to just pick a movie <laughs> that's kind of what you like you're like you know, you know what i just picked it to watch like just to have something to watch yeah and enjoy my time yeah. <laughs> and that's good enough because you know you're sitting on like a couch and you're screaming through netflix or you're going through amazon prime and you're like i mean like, for example, if, if someone were to come across this movie and be like, oh, I didn't know anything about this. And it's like, all right, cool. Just, just put it on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, this is definitely a movie I would recommend to somebody that maybe isn't even that into the Arthurian legends and stuff and just wants to watch a cool artsy movie about, you know, maybe a coming of age story or maybe acceptance of death. I don't know. I, I think this movie was really cool and awesome. And I, I would recommend this to anybody that wanted to watch this, you know. Especially the main actor, I haven't seen him in something in a while. Oh yeah, I hundred percent. When we, I was younger, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, but I don't know much of his other work aside from that movie, and also the last Airbender Avatar movie, which was not very well well done. Yeah, unfortunately, that that's probably gonna mar his career for a while. Um, I mean, but he was great in this. Yeah, no, he was phenomenal in this. The last movie I saw him, Dev. Dev hotel i i want to say that the grand budapest hotel was that him no he was not in grand budapest oh that was the guy that's the guy who plays um flash thompson and yeah yeah there you're, you're right that was the guy who in flash thompson oh i remember another movie i saw this uh actor in chappy yeah. from like uh six years ago well, he wasn't Chappy. I never did actually watch that. It was not very good. I, I mean, you could, if you wanted to watch it, it probably wouldn't be too bad. But like, man, I did, I did not enjoy that movie that much. <laughs> no, the last movie I watched with him in it was Lion. Lion. It was, uh, it was an Oscar movie a couple years back. Huh. Um, yeah, Lion. L I O N. Uh, it was about, uh, it's a story about a kid who gets, mm. uh, effectively gets separated from his family, and then he. He ends up getting adopted, and then as an adult, he tries to find out where he came from. Oh, dude, that movie sounds cool. I, I, I mean, it sounds like the kind of movie I would really want to watch, just because it seems very uh, tug on your heartstrings kind of movie. Oh, it's very. I, I very much enjoyed it. I watched it because I wanted it. Same year as I want to say I, the only other movie I remember on that that year's list of oscar contenders was hidden figure oh i saw that movie it was all right yeah <laughs> yeah it was good uh but that yeah so that same year of nominations was that movie line was on mm. and i watched it because i wanted to like oh i want to make a informed decision before i say which movie which one of these movies i say is the best yeah I, and between uh, the two and just looking up was, this one about lion in terms of an initial impression it seems like lion would probably be a movie i'd be more into and so uh, one thing is whenever I watch movies, I, I tell people that like one of like my best, like I think like, if I don't like a movie, I'll tell someone never to watch it. <laughs> like 
if I just don't like it, that's like like the harshest thing I can say is like, you know, like don't ever watch this movie. Like I don't care if you're interested in it, <laughs> I will I just don't watch it. That's usually like my like damning response to it. But if I enjoy a movie after watching it, I could care less about anybody else's opinion. I'll buy it. Yeah. If yeah. it's worth that like if it if it gets to that level for me and lion was definitely one of those movies i got because i was like oh no like i watched this one time and i was like no i need to own this this is something that i i will definitely keep um like around and i I, like i was like it's funny because i literally have it sitting out because uh bennett Mm -hmm. was like messing around with movies and i was like i have it right there i'm looking at it right now awesome yeah i it's hard for me to like tell people not to watch a movie because i've been in so many scenarios where in the right context with people i will enjoy a movie that i never thought i would actually enjoy yeah but most movies i mean i usually find something to like in them you know no that's fair i i I, it it sounds really harsh because but it's it's mostly it's it's pretty much the same way Mm -hmm. where it's like that was a waste of my time and i felt like i'm not gonna i'm gonna tell you not to waste your no, um, I yeah, I don't, I can't remember the last time I like was so like damning of a yeah, movie. <laughs> I try not to be. Um, that's like my general rule of thumb. Like even if I don't like a movie, yeah, I try not to get to that level. But yeah, no, this movie very much. I like. I would tend to, to tentatively uh, recommend this movie to to people where it's like I very much. This is very much my speed. Oh yeah, and if you don't. If you're not at my speed, I recognize that you may not like this, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, especially with, I don't know if you feel this way, but I genuinely usually like most of the movies A24 Pictures puts out. The ones I get to watch, I I generally, I generally. Yeah, like I think I've seen most of the movies from that um, uh, production house each one feels like its own thing that I've enjoyed for really different reasons because there's a lot that each of these movies has to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, yeah, ultimately, yeah, I just, I, w- I would tell people this is a good pick. Oh, yeah, I'm probably going to watch this movie again sometime this week with Maya. And and like I said, when I, when I mentioned before, like, like mm-hmm. if I very much enjoy a movie, I want to buy it. I very much want to look for, like, the best possible version mm-hmm. of this film to own because just again it's it's just absolutely one first off it's just gorgeous oh yeah dude seeing this on like a ak uh tv with the highest fidelity you can would be great yeah and then but like yeah no i you rented it and i was like man like no like i can't just wait for this to be on stream or anything like i would love to have this just in my house so that if i'm in the mood to watch this movie just even on mute just have it play <laughs> just visually it's gorgeous <laughs> um, well if we do this movie again in the future first maybe just a rewatch uh, episode that'd be fun to be like it was awesome then and it's really awesome now and i got maybe a different meaning from it the second time around yeah because i think this one is definitely going to be one that only improves on repeat watching because I don't know. I maybe one day I'll understand the giants and why there was a giant. They were naked. 
and why there was a baby with me. <laughs> see, see, um, I thought it was because you know how part of the Arthurian, you know, mythos kind of every knight has their like adventures and their stories, right? And I thought this, like you mentioned, this was him yeah. becoming what it means to be a knight. The encounters he meets along the ways were just very short and condensed one-off stories that exist in the Arthurian myth mythos, but kind of uh, summarize just to be part of the journey in this movie you know what i mean yeah and it 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 very much could just be that way because you know we're talking about uh ghosts and giants talking animals and knights that are made out of trees and all that stuff so the very much could just be like yeah no like this is just part of the world just kind of accept it. <laughs> the, the, because this movie looked so good, and this is even before I even watched it, um, because the movie looked like it was such a good film, I ended up... Uh, I, I'm really excited for the Macbeth movie that's coming out this year from A24. Was this, is that the one with Michael Fassbender? Or is it... um, no, my, I think that was the one from like a few years ago, right? Okay, I wasn't sure if that was a movie I imagined... A movie that I heard was coming out and never did, a movie that came out and I never watched it, or a movie that got pushed back from being released because of the pandemic or something, you know? No. So the one that's coming out is called The Tragedy of Macbeth, and it has Denzel Washington in it. Really? That's interesting. I, I haven't heard anything of this movie, and Denzel Washington being in that movie is an interesting choice, because... I didn't. I would never expected him to do a Macbeth movie. That's cool. Yeah, so it's it's. Um, I know nothing about it other than the fact that it's about. I, I seemingly it's about Macbeth, and Denzel Washington's in it. It's a twenty four, and it's. Black I wonder if if. I hope it's good. I mean, it's a twenty four, so it's probably going to be a good watch. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if I have anything else to say about this movie. <laughs> no, I don't. Right now I do, <laughs> but enjoyed watching it. Well, we appreciate you sticking around till the end, and we hope you check out the movie The Green Knight. It's definitely worth your watch if you couldn't tell. We were both super into it. The intro and outro song is VHS Dreams by Sean Ivers. Link in the description. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Just Pick Something podcast. Until next time.